We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the September 27th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. I'm here with Derek Van Riper, and like every Thursday, we're going to preview the upcoming week's games. But first, Derek, Jameis or Fitz, Fitz or Jameis, the suspense, it's just, it's killing me. I have to know, Dirk Cutter. Please tell me who's going to start a quarterback. It's, it's kind of funny, and I thought Fitzpatrick played well enough where you don't have to go back to Jameis I mean I think you just let this one play out if if fits in the the Monken offense is going to be this productive then it's difficult to see him playing his way out of the job it seems like it would only be an injury but the one thing that stood out to me I was looking at some of the stats from the Monday night game if I'm not mistaken the Steelers brought more pressure they blitzed more than either of the first two opponents the Bucks had this year and that seemed to work. That seemed to throw off the timing of the offense a little bit. So I'm kind of curious now if, especially with the Bears on tap in week four, if some of the things we were seeing in weeks one and two kind of fade as teams have a, a blueprint that might work to slow this offense down. 
Yep, I agree. I, I want to see how this goes. I think I think Jameis is going to get this job back. Fitz starts this week, but Jameis starts soon, basically. They have so. a bye in week five, so yep. not making the change now gives them two weeks to make whatever adjustments they want to make before week six, and they go on the road to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. so to- totally possible it goes down that way. Um, you know, the schedule for them, the Bears, one of the tougher matchups they've got coming up because you get the bye in five. Atlanta, with the injuries they've got on defense, they're very shootout prone, very vulnerable on the defensive side of the ball. Not a tough matchup really at all. Uh, Cleveland in week seven, at least you get them at home. It's a very good defense, uh, athletic defense, at least one that could improve at Cincinnati, at Carolina, home against Washington. So it's not a terrible stretch of schedule for whichever one of these two quarterbacks ends up making those starts. Yep, I agree. All right, folks, uh, before we get to all the games, uh, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhoppin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can follow the player news at Rotowire NFL, and you can find us on Facebook. Okay, we're going to start uh, Vikings-Rams Thursday night. First, Panthers-Redskins off this week. Buys start. Those two teams are off. Uh, Vikings-Rams. So the Rams are down starting corners. Um, Akeem Tlaib's on IR. Marcus Peters technically listed as questionable, but he's not playing tonight from everything we've seen. Is it too easy to look and go, two corners out for the Rams, Diggs and Thielen in, jackpot, Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely a matchup that has to be viewed in the appropriate context. I, I think the Rams can withstand the absence of Tlaib. I think the system's good enough. The talent in the pass rush is good enough. Peters on the other side, when healthy, is good enough to where you're not going to be picking on this team with number two receivers every single week, most weeks, but without both of those guys, that does open the door quite a bit. Uh, the thing I've, I've looked at in the early games, the big surprise last week, of course, Minnesota dumping that game at home to Buffalo, the target share has favored Adam Thielen by a decent margin in two of the first three games. Things were even against the Packers in week two, uh, but Thielen's getting about 35% of the targets in those other two matchups, and I just wonder if that's the distribution that's actually going to hold up or if that just happened to be the function of those matchups and how uh, things kind of lined up X's and O's wise. So I do like Thielen. I do like Diggs. Uh, I think the the guy that I'm kind of getting away from overall, even though I'm not necessarily sitting him yet if I don't have a good replacement, is Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if he's going to be quite as productive as we'd hoped with Diggs kind of taking on a, a more prominent role in this offense. All right, let's go to the Rams side of the ball. Uh, so first of all, yeah, one bit of context for for the Vikings there, based on the over-under, the projected point total is 21, which seems kind of low to me. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's accounting for Tlaib and Peters yeah. not being there. So over might be an interesting 49 is the over-under last I checked. Okay, the other side of this one, I mean, the Rams are just this fantastic offense. Uh, the Vikings are down Everson Griffin, which is, you know, we hope he's okay at some point soon. But uh, so the defense is, you know, that, that's a decent absence that you have to account for but uh, but for the rams as good as they've been against the vikings whose defense is pretty good are all their wide receivers good starts i mean rotowire projections have woods as the 16th wide receiver for the week cooks as 27th cooper cup as 35th and this is in standard yeah i mean i think i think they're all they're all in your season long lineups this week because the thing that i would be ordinarily concerned about with woods is that with Cooks coming in and signing that big contract, with Cup being that safe option that Jared Goff leaned on so heavily last year, and then the running game with Todd Gurley being such a huge part of the offense that Woods might be getting squeezed out. But 
the trends early on have not been that way. Like he's actually had a larger target share than Cooks and Cup so far this year. He had a 31% target share in week three against the Chargers. Uh, it could just be the way the matchups break down, where you know you, you take your your best corner and put that guy on Cooks, and you try to find a way to slow down Cup, take away Cup out of the slot, and suddenly Woods is the guy with the most favorable matchups. So that could easily be what teams have been allowing to this point. And I don't really see Minnesota going completely different in their approach against this Rams passing game. Okay. Uh, next up, Dolphins Pats. So Rex Burkhead to IR. Who's a better start in standard, White or Michelle? In a standard league, I think it's Sonny Michelle. Uh, I think the you know, the carry volume should be at least two to one to White, if not a little bit more. I, I I don't really think the Patriots want to give James White a lot of carries. I don't think they see Deion Lewis after contact type ability with him. I know White has kind of a similar build, and in the open field, he can be elusive but i think it's more of a michelle's the lead back maybe like an 80 20 split even for carries and some passing down work for sunny michelle uh, clear passing situations maybe going to james white so i think in a standard league especially it's sunny michelle but even in a ppr league it's probably like a slight edge to michelle even in that format as well so michelle uh, dolphins 3.3 a carry by the way so tough slight do you want to start sunny if you have sunny michelle what's your what's your attitude towards him Optimism. I mean, I think this offense is still trying to find some some consistency, but part of that's not having Edelman out there. Part of it is maybe missing Brandon Cooks from last year. So uh, maybe Josh Gordon, you know, takes on some of the downfield role, opens some things up underneath. Uh, and with the running game, I mean, I, I think if, if people were drafting Rex Burkhead in the fifth or sixth round of drafts, uh, I think Sonny Michelle is a more talented runner than Burkhead, even though Burkhead has a lot of unique functions he can provide in this offense. So you have to be looking at Sonny Michelle as like a steady, like RB two type because this offense, it's going to be better than it was to this point. Maybe they're not the peak Patriots anymore, but they're still going to be good enough to put points on the board. And Sonny Michelle is going to be a big part of that. Okay. Uh, Josh Gordon, by the way, if, if he's active, does he start for you? I could see it as like a third receiver or a flex this week. And, and last week, if he'd played, I really didn't see him at that level. I just think having that extra week of practices, being more up to speed in the playbook and and being a, a potential solution to some of their woes will make it more of a priority for him to be involved in the scheme if he's able to play this week. So kind of a like a fringy top 30 receiver if I were putting together value meter type rankings. Speaking of that, Josh Gordon or... Calvin Ridley. Hmm. Ridley in that matchup, I think there's actually a lot of shootout potential there. I think with Miami's defense maybe being one of those units that is better than we realized, we have to kind of look at them and say, all right, is this real? Like, how are they going to hold up on the road in Foxborough? I'd be more inclined to play Calvin Ridley than Josh Gordon this week, uh, especially if you're getting you know points per reception. I, I think Gordon's role could be somewhat limited, but we just know he has big playability. He doesn't need a ton of targets to make an impact. But I think when you look at those two guys, Ridley's actually just a little bit safer right now. One more. Josh Gordon or Marvin Jones? Marvin Jones. Uh, I know Kenny Galladay's rise in that offense is something to be concerned about if you are a Marvin Jones owner, but um, you're still looking at a guy that gets you know, almost almost 20% of the targets, a little less than that, but 
I think because they're not using a tight end the same way they did when they had Eric Ebron, they haven't thrown to Theo Riddick quite as much as some people expected. That may have been a game flow thing in week three. I think there's still enough to go around volume-wise for Marvin Jones to be viable even with Kenny Galladay's increased role. Folks, as always, I was trying to pick out people in the you know 30s and 40s in the receiver rankings just to get take Derek's temperature on that. Okay, last one. Speaking of guy in that range, does Kenny Stills get enough volume? Kenny Stills' production is always solid. I mean, he's he's a he's sort of a high variance guy for fantasy purposes. But the last two years, you look, you go, wow, he was a top 30 receiver both years. But the way the volume so far, I think he's got 13 targets in three games or something like that. I mean, to see you look at do you look at him? What do you do with him? If you if you owned him, you probably drafted him in the tenth round. You thought you got a good value, and he was sort of a you know sleeper value for you. And you look at him now in the volume. What do you say? What do you do? This is one of the widest trees, I guess. We would say skinny tree when it's not yeah. uh, not a lot of options. A team like you know the Steelers or uh, you know a team that concentrates production over a few players. So this is a pretty wide tree because you've got five pass catchers that have already been targeted at least 10 times that includes the running back Kenyon Drake uh, no one has more than 14 targets Jakeem Grant actually leads the Dolphins in targets and he had seven in week one he's only had seven in the two games since so this is kind of a, an avoid across the board sort of scenario for me in season long I think where you become interested in players like Stills and Grant are in DFS lineups they're they're GPP darts you know if, if the Dolphins do fall behind in this game and Ryan Tannehill has to throw it 35-plus times, Stills is one of those guys that all it takes is one big play over the top, and he makes value because his price tends to sink when the uh, opportunities tail off the way they have to begin this season. Okay. I'm actually going to look at the team trends real quick because I had a quick not question. I did. It is a question because last year Devontae Parker was back. So Stills last week, 91% of the snaps, Parker 75, Amendola 70. So there you go. And then Wilson and Grant were not on the field very much. Yeah, that, that's the weird thing about Grant. It's like when he's out there, he gets targets, but he's not out there a lot. Right. Um, Texans, Colts. Is, if Marlon Mack plays, do you start him yet? Is he worth that talking about yet? Oh, man. He's a guy that I, I need him to be something in the fishbowl because my running backs are such a train wreck. Yep. I in a league that deep might have to do it, but in 10, 12 team typical leagues, I would try to avoid it if possible. Cause I, I still think he's looking at a timeshare with Jordan Wilkins. Okay. Uh, the other thing in that on the Colts side of things, I think we're doing this Thursday about noon Eastern. Uh, I hadn't checked practice today, but I think Doyle and Ebron both missed practice on Wednesday. So keep an eye on that folks Ugh, for the tight ends. Woof. I mean, I, I want, I want one of them to, to miss time occasionally to give us some clarity, but I don't right. want them both missing time. Cause that, that's one of those things that does take a lot away uh, as far as the appeal in this offense, Andrew Lux ability to throw downfield definitely looks compromised. I don't know if this is like the Colts trying to, uh, you know, to box right-handed, but actually being left-handed and they're just going to like start airing it out in a few weeks. I don't think they're that clever. I don't think that's what we're seeing here. I think this is a, a team that needs really both of those guys to be healthy, to be consistent through the air week in and week out. Right. And, and folks last week, if you went with Ebron because of Doyle's absence and you were disappointed, which I imagine you were just keep in mind, Ebron did get 11 targets. He had a couple drops. I know it was five for 33. And you look at that and you go, Bleh. but they, they threw to him. So uh, they'll probably do it again. The other thing on this game, the, I mean, the guys, I, the guys in the Texans, it's, it's a, you know, you're starting Watson, Miller, 
Fuller, Hopkins, and you're not starting anybody else, and that's that. You know, you're starting those four if they have them. But Fuller, we might have talked about this last week. Are, are we close to wide receiver one status? So we there, right now, Rotowire has him, the projections have him 20th for the week. I have him 17th. Are we still underestimating him? I think so. I mean, I think the thing that's different this year compared to last year, the target volume's up. He's got 20 mm-hmm. targets in the two games he's played. He's getting targeted pretty much as much as DeAndre Hopkins, and they're definitely a skinny tree sort of team where it's going through Hopkins and Fuller through the air, Lamar Miller on the ground, and maybe occasionally they flip a red zone target at a Ryan Griffin or something, but not enough volume to where you're looking at those two guys and saying, um, I'm worried about Fuller this week. I think this situation with Hopkins and Fuller is not all that different than the situation in Pittsburgh with Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, where you you might have two legitimate fantasy number ones in the same offense, just kind of based on the way they use those two guys. Right, I agree. All right, Bengals-Falcons. Uh, high over-under here. This could be a lot of fantasy stuff. Gio Bernard in particular looks like he's in a good spot. Is it time to cut John Ross? I think in a lot of leagues it is. Um, I think where... It gets really tricky is, say, like a 12-team NFFC-style league where you've got a 10-man bench. And you have to have what our friend Scott Pianowski calls, I think, plausible upside. Like, <laughs> just mining for that on the waiver wire is kind of the, the, the challenge of playing in a league that has a thin waiver wire, whether it's because it's got a lot of teams or whether it's because there's deep benches or whether it's because there's both. Being able to see a path for a talented player to become more productive is a skill that very few people have. And it's easy to see John Ross, to watch him play, and to be excited about what he might do. Like, it, it's, it was on display during the preseason. It was on display at Washington, and this is a guy that lost his rookie season with injuries. And I'm looking at at the target share. We've seen you know, less than 10% in week one, 10% of the target share in week two, up to 16% in week three against Carolina. But that was with... A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Gio Bernard, and Tyler Eifert all getting an equal share or a larger share than John Ross. So they definitely are a team that right now may have as many as four guys ahead of him in the pecking order to catch passes. I think one of those guys needs to be out of the equation because of an injury before John Ross becomes startable. I think in a lot of leagues where you only have a five-man bench, you can't hold on to a player like that waiting for that to happen because even then, He's the number two or number three guy at best out of that group. Yep, I agree. All right, uh, the other thing there, speaking of one of the guys who's made things difficult for John Ross is Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd and Calvin Ridley had somewhat similar outings last week. Uh, I know Ridley had three touchdowns, but but they both sort of broke out last week. Who's a, who's a better? They're in similar ranges here. Right now, the Rotowire uh, projections have Boyd at number 40 for the week at wide receiver and Ridley at 44. Who do you like better in this game? I think I like Kelvin Ridley a little bit more. It's it's splitting hairs. I, I think what it is is that I believe that Kelvin Ridley is a slightly better prospect. I think their situations are very similar. Uh, having target monster, you know, elite number ones that are going to command a large volume from their respective quarterbacks with Julio and A.J. Green. Uh, but if I'm choosing between Ridley and Tyler Boyd, the edge for me does go to Ridley for this week. I'm with you. All right, folks, let's talk about the new daily fantasy site, Fanball, for a second. The number one issue I hear from people who try DFS is that it's almost impossible to win for the casual player. Too many sharks out there with 150 lineups, and you basically have no shot if you want to play a lineup or two for fun. And that's where Fanball comes in. 
If the name rings a bell, it's the same folks behind the season-long site from way back. Paul Charchian, who also happens to be the president of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association, has brought back the Fanball name, but this time as a DFS site. And he's looking to level the playing field by enforcing low entry limits. In fact, I'm looking at the lobby right now. Most lineups anyone can have in a contest is 10, and that is a huge difference maker. Plus, they have snake drafts, which are a lot of fun. And I'm told auctions are coming very soon as well. Head over to fanball.com slash rotowire. Sign up now. Make a deposit of at least $10, and we will give you a six-month membership to Rotowire. Again, that's fanball.com slash rotowire. Go check it out. Free six-month membership. Totally worth it. Uh, fanball.com. Uh, okay, Bill's Packers. So, Mr. Packer fan, what's going to happen in the backfield this week? Is Aaron Jones going to get more or not? No. Mike, Mike oh, McCarthy hates us. No, no. It's definitely not going to work that way. McCarthy hates us, and he will probably continue to use the three-headed monster. Jones deserves more carries. He deserved more carries based on what he was doing last year, and they just aren't running that way so far. And I don't, I don't ever want to look at it and say – Here's the week. This is the one. Unless Jamal Williams has a game where he coughs up a fumble or two, misses a few pass protections. Like He used to have a terrible week for me to feel like that's enough to change McCarthy's mind about how he's doing things. Like I think McCarthy feels comfortable doing exactly what he's been doing to this point, and I think we're getting more of the same this week, more of the, the ugly split that almost makes all three of those guys impossible to use in season long they're all kind of like fringe flex guys i should say williams and jones are fringe flex guys i still don't think you can really do much with ty montgomery in any format right now this is such a buzzkill you know that yeah i'm, I'm sorry there's there's uh <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 still pretty like relative to other buzzkills things could be worse than this one but i past behavior often the best predictor of future behavior and i think mike mccarthy Falls into that every time. Um, the Rotowire projections have Aaron Jones as RB25, by the way. Yeah, so. right there. Fringe flex, right? Fringe flex. All right, so last week, I suggested on Friday, we talked about our break class in case of emergency, guys, and I suggested Josh Allen, and you chuckled. I did. You did. I laughed in your face. You did. I'm, I've, I am becoming a Josh Allen fantasy fan. I really, really am. I think he might throw five interceptions this week, but I think he's going to run for 40 yards. Okay. So how many touchdown passes is he going to throw? Oh, I don't know. One or two. But he might run for one. He might run for one and throw for one. Garbage time. I know you can't predict garbage time. I get it. But this guy's running. He's, he, he's, he's becoming Bortlesy for me. Well, the Packers have allowed opposing passers to put together a 103.1 passer rating through the first three weeks. Well, I mean, Kirk Cousins did a ton of damage against them. That's, that's a big part of it. But Alex Smith was moving the ball with ease against that offense throughout the first half. Things kind of got corrected in the second half. Uh, the absence of Kevin King, that's, that's the thing that I'm looking at right now. Ever since he left that game against Minnesota, didn't play last week, the Packers started leaking big plays immediately. If Kevin King is back... You know, I tempered my expectations for Josh Allen as sort of like a tournament dart or a, a super flex QB that you feel good about. If King's out, this is a defense that is is struggling right now. And I think where I'd be more interested is probably, you know, Kelvin Benjamin as a cheap DFS play or maybe as your third wide receiver in a full PPR league because someone's got to get those targets. And it just seems like he's the best opportunity for, for some value in the Buffalo passing game. Oof. Okay. 
Josh Allen. Bad. Two, I know two, it's bad. Is Josh Allen a top twenty-four quarterback for you this week? Um, in a week where we got so we got two missing, we got a, a Bethard, Darnold against Jacksonville on the road, Rosen making his first start. Yeah, he could probably nudge Allen to like the twenty-fourth spot and and bump a couple other guys down. I think it's possible that he's in that group. Be honest with you, I have him at. He might be like 27th. Though. I have him 26th. And I, yeah. you know what? I should put him ahead of Baker Mayfield. Really? Yeah. I like Baker Mayfield. I, I, oh, I mean, I love I loved that he goes and gets his cell phone from the locker room because it it makes some of the the national talking heads just bubble up with stupid rage. Did that you see that? Totally pointless. Like, it's the, the only clips I see of shows like that are when people are making fun of them on social media because there's no substance whatsoever. Right. That was that was Jason McIntyre on Colin Coward's show that you're talking about. Right. I mean, and, the, and the, the, the thing is, he tried to backtrack a little, but it was he said, "Well, I just happened to notice it." But what he said when he said it on air was the the number one takeaway I had from Baker Mayfield's outing last night was that I saw him grab his cell phone when he was on his way to the NFL Network set. Right, and, and the successful tactic that McIntyre and, and people like that use is saying the dumbest possible thing they can think of, knowing it's going to get the attention that they can't get based on the actual quality of their content. Yeah, That's, that's the whole point of that, and it works because we're all just like, come on, no one actually thinks that, but then people start retweeting it and laughing about it, and now we're talking about it. So the tactic is successful, even though it is a tactic that I fundamentally disagree with and, and completely despise see if only i had done that when i was working for fox i'd still be there right derek right yeah if you if you had <laughs> if you had just spewed out more things you didn't believe just the, yes. the most hot takey things and also you know done video simultaneously while doing it uh so yeah the, it, 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 it's yeah, yeah. It, you're exactly right that that's it that's the that's the problem fantasy good baker mayfield is qb1 this week dun 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 there you go. So I, I actually do like Baker Mayfield, though, from like a DFS perspective, especially. The Raiders are giving up 8.7 yards per attempt this season. Passer rating, 105.2 allowed, six passing TDs, one pick. I, I hate to go to like a narrative or to intangible qualities when I'm a- analyzing players, but I think to an extent that they should be at least considered. Baker Mayfield, going back to Oklahoma, just looks like he knows what he's doing on the football field, which... Is, is boiling it down to the simplest, almost hot takey mindset that I don't like. But just watch him. Like, he, he moves around well in the pocket. He's got the arm strength. He makes good decisions with the ball. I'm very optimistic about him. The only thing I don't like about this matchup for him is that it's on the road. And you know, I don't look at the Raiders as this offensive juggernaut that's going to put up a ton of points and, and leave Mayfield in some kind of shootout. That seems kind of unlikely as well. But as far as like a tournament stat goes that people probably aren't going to be all that excited about, Mayfield with Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway on my radar this week. Okay, so we're, we're, we're going to do Raiders-Browns uh, right now and finish that discussion off and continue that discussion. So I, I have no problem with Baker Mayfield. I think he's walking into a tough I like him as a player. I agree with all the things you said about him as a player. I think he's walking into a tough spot. Even though the Raiders have been shaky on past defense, I think he's walking into a tough spot. Playing on the road. First game on the road in sort of a, I know maybe, you know, the hostile environment tends to need to have a good team along with it. And in this case, it doesn't. But the Raiders have played a couple of close games. They got blown out by the Rams in the second half. They played a couple of close ones. But here's what I've gotten this week. Here's the two Twitter questions I got yesterday. 
One was Baker or Cousins, and the other was Baker or Brady. Guys, okay. folks, yeah, stop look. it. Stop it now. Just just chill on Baker Mayfield a little bit with right. that stuff. Again, my my interest is in tournaments where he's a low-owned GPP stack option with an underpriced Antonio Callaway and what appears to be an extremely reliable and more properly utilized Jarvis Landry. That's that's the context. Context is important. Yep. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think people I, – I'm not high on him this week. I think – I think maybe next week is a week to buy if you want to buy a Baker Mayfield because this week I think he might struggle a little bit just because he's in he's in the t- he's in a tough you know going to visit a, 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 no, a normally tough place. The other question I want to ask about that game, Amari Cooper. What do we? I mean, look if you have Amari Cooper, you're starting him. But what do we do with this guy? I mean, it's been more. It's more. If you look at the game logs, it's more bad than good. It's just yeah. it's so frustrating to be an Amari Cooper owner. And, and this year, a lot of people just said, I'm not going to do it again. And and he was picked in, you know, round four or whatever. And people said, oh, well, bargain. Yeah, well, he had big game in two. Blah. So what do we do? He, he's still one of those players, that even last year, where he was kind of an early to mid-second round pick. I just didn't end up with him. And other than like one team where I, I kind of regrettably took him at the time, I was like, oh, I don't like the running backs in the spot. I'm taking Cooper. I avoided last year's disaster, and the discount wasn't enough mm-hmm. in this offense for me to go running back and say, no, I'm, I'm buying into the guy that we saw as a rookie you know, go over 1,000 yards and then follow it up in year two with 11.53. I just think the, the Derek Carr limitation is one concern, and I'm still not really looking at this offense and getting excited week to week. I just think there's... Something's missing right now. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's only Carr's ability to take shots downfield or if it's just a running game that is very mediocre. I just don't want shares of the Raiders' offense at all, and I'm glad that I really don't have any. Okay. Next, we go to Lions Cowboys. So, Lions are getting three points here. Projected point total 20.5. I think they'll probably win, but it's sort of a toss up. But you got. Four Lions skill players that I think will be on more starting lineups than on benches. Karrion Johnson, after last week, who ran for 100 yards, which for the Lions is like running for 500. Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones. Unless this game has drastically more points than are projected... At least one of them, probably more, is going to disappoint. Who is the most likely candidate to disappoint fantasy owners? I think Carrion Johnson is actually the most likely to disappoint. And Dallas has been good against the run so far. 3.4 yards per carry those first three games. This is not this is not a bad defensive team. It's a bad offensive team in Dallas. So I think people might just kind of conflate their struggles to move the ball with them just being a bad team across the board. And no I don't sh- think that's fair. No Sean Lee, remember. That does that does hurt them. But they're, they're, they're good up front. I think that mm-hmm. that can be enough. And the other thing about Carrion Johnson, maybe the more important thing, each of these games, even though he had that breakout last week, he still split carries evenly with LeGarrette Blunt. It wasn't Carrion Johnson 23, LeGarrette Blunt 7. It was 16-16. Week two is eight eight. 
in week one, it was 5-4 because that, that game happened. Like, that's... You have to throw out week one against the Jets when you look at the Lions, right? Like, it, you can't you can't really apply anything from that. Like, I, I don't I don't know why it happened, but I just don't think I can... I don't think I can understand it in a way where I can utilize it to predict anything they're going to do in the future. Okay. Jets-Jags. Robbie Anderson, who was a... Let's say a popular... He was a wide receiver three type with upside. I think he was somewhere between 25 and 30 on draft day. I don't have ADPs in front of me. Is it time? He's down to 45% ownership on Yahoo. It's been three games. Is it time to cut bait or not? I think it is in a lot of leagues. It kind of goes back to uh, the John Ross question. I mean, I think if you're in a league where you think about cutting John Ross, you're probably in a league where you think about cutting Robbie Anderson too. Harder to stomach that cut with Robbie Anderson because you had to draft him quite a bit earlier than you had to draft a guy like John Ross. And when you look at the snap counts, he's still... He's still top three. Quincy Anunua, Terrell Pryor, Robbie Anderson in some order have been the top three as far as percentage of snaps played at wide receiver to this point. And you worry that when you cut a player like that, that he's going to go off the following week. Like that's going to be the game where he comes out and, and does everything you expected. But I think he's probably a little more like a, a Kenny Stills type player than many of us wanted to believe. And I think the Jets after that, impressive week one performance have looked more like the team we all expected the last two weeks and this is an offense that i was lukewarm on like most people coming into the season and i'm kind of right back there after that surprising week one performance has faded okay let's go to the wide receivers on the other side is cole is cole still the best jags wide receiver yeah, I, I think so. And it, again, it comes down to the usage for me. Like he's just he's getting more opportunities. The the splits last week they, they dumped the ball off to T.J. Yeldon a lot, but he was still their most uh, most utilized receiver in terms of volume. He's got 22 uh, percent of the targets now, or 22 percent of the catches rather for the season. So he leads the Jags in that regard. Uh, Keelan Cole, I think, is a good player. I think he's a kind of a wide receiver three most weeks, and uh, I'm I'm not. I'm not freaking out uh, at this point. Uh, okay. He looked so good against New England. I think that was real. And I think when they do throw it, a lot of that is going to be concentrated on what Keelan Cole can do in their passing game. I agree with you. All right, Bucks bears we're going to go to next. Um, looking at the Rotowire projections, standard Peyton Barber is RB31, which is it's it's maybe Flexville is where you are. What are you doing? I mean, you're not cutting Peyton Barber. I get that. Are you starting him? They look at this matchup. I, I, I kind of look and go, you know, I really would rather not. I'm kind of blown away that Ronald Jones looked so bad. Right. In training camp and the preseason that Peyton Barber, as we go into week four, is still their lead back. Jacquez Rogers is still the passing down guy that gets some of the work. And Sean Wilson gets snaps. <laughs> like Ronald Jones can't even make the 45 man game day roster right now. Right. Uh, what what happened? Like what? How, how did they miss so badly in their evaluation? If you draft a running back in the first two rounds and he's not even active for the first three, maybe four weeks of the season, your scouting department, your front office has failed miserably. You have grossly miscalculated what that player is. And maybe, maybe it was one of those things where things that they saw on tape, things they saw when they scouted him, it all checked out. They got him into camp. 
they saw it firsthand and they're like, what on earth is this guy? Like that. <laughs> but that's that's why you have player interviews and stuff too, right? Like, wouldn't right. you be able to vet a, a running back and just know, like, oh, the, like what unforeseen problem came up with him? I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't understand pass this protection at all. and things like that. I mean, may, maybe you know, it just didn't come quickly. I mean, I agree with you. I hear what you're saying that that it's been such a bad miss that he's not even active. That they yeah, spent a top I, forty pick on him. Like, fine, he's he's not out there for passing down work, but he's not even getting like an Aaron Jones role. Right. He's not just getting like six or eight carries a game. He's he's just not even suited up. Like that is nuts for a guy that you know ran for 1500 yards and scored 19 touchdowns in the Pac-12 last year yep um other side of this one is this Trey Burton's breakout game are we gonna get it finally uh <laughs> it's as good of a time as any because Tampa Bay's defense is is soft so I guess if I had to try and predict that I would say yes and the reason why I would be interested is because tight end is kind of a dumpster fire anyway. Yes. And the Bucks, I believe, have allowed the third most passing touchdowns in the league. There's a few teams that have given up seven already. But yeah, we talk about you know stats allowed to opposing passers. How about a 117.1 passer rating allowed by Tampa Bay in the first three weeks? Right. That's been that's been rough. I mean, you basically the first you know the two guys who worked them over were Breeze and Big Ben. And the tight end, give up the tight end. That that Vance McDonald one was a bit fluky, but still my favorite play of the whole week. Yeah, so. I mean, like that that was an, an insane play. But Burton's getting five targets per game so far. I mean, I, I think that's pretty standard for your kind of t- ten to twelve range guys. And then you account for matchup. I think this this could be that week uh, for Trey Burton. Yeah, I agree. I think I think I, part of why I wanted to bring up Trey Burton is that his owners. He was drafted as probably a you know the seventh tight end, and I bet his owners are frustrated. And I'm one of those owners, and I'm st- I'm still good. I'm I'm ready for this to start working itself out. So, would you play Burton or Tyler Eifert if you happen to have Eifert as your your backup? I would play. It's close, but I would play Burton. Okay, no, I I, I don't I don't blame you. The matchup is good enough where I think you can you go at least one more spin here before you start thinking about yeah. the, the constant battle between your your Burton versus your backup. I am. I have him seventh ahead of Eifert, Ebron, and OJ Howard. OJ Howard's playing a ton, by the way. Like, I, I don't know if I just didn't account for you know, changes on that coaching staff and and how that might impact Howard versus Cameron Brait, but OJ Howard was a big miss for me so far this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Uh, that it was for me as well, not that it was for you, <laughs> folks. Kalo is the functional wedding ring. Kalo is the name in silicone wedding rings because Kalo rings are designed to ensure that your hands are safe and comfortable in the workplace, in the gym, the outdoors, and everywhere in between. Unlike traditional metal wedding rings, Kalo rings allow you to keep your ring on in times where a traditional metal wedding ring would need to be removed. See, I'm, I have my traditional metal one on during this podcast, but I don't think that really qualifies here. Well, it depends how angry you get. I mean, it's only week four, but if if Aaron Jones is still getting five carries a game in week 12, like my wedding ring becomes a hazard because if I ever jam my finger and it swells up too much, they have to shatter it off. Right. And I start doing uh, this. Yeah. That's what I start doing. I pound on the desk. Do you open open bottles with your, your wedding ring? No. I don't do that either, even though mine would hold up for it. Something about that just feels a little wrong. I spin it, though. I was telling Jake the other day, I spin it on tables. It drives ah, my wife yes. bananas. But, oh well. but the, yeah, the silicone's a great idea. I mean, yeah. like if, if, especially if you, um, 
you, know, you like work near MRI machines and different things. There's so many different jobs where a metal ring is actually not a good thing to have to deal with because either you got to take it off or you're, you're worried about something like my scenario. You know, sh- shattering a ring off your finger probably doesn't feel good. Like, right. I, I'm, I'm anticipating that, that will hurt if that ever has to happen. I would agree. But Kalo rings allow people to live their lives safely and comfortably while still representing their commitment to their spouse and family. Kalo has created a special code for our listeners. You use promo code ROTOWIRE at checkout to get 20% off your order. Kalo is the choice of firefighters, military, law enforcement, carpenters, electricians, and mechanics for everyday wear. It's available in 18 different styles and over 50 colors. Kalo is the preferred ring of pro athletes such as NFL players Kirk Cousins, who we talked about already, Andy Dalton, Jordy Nelson, and Derek Carr. NBA MVPs Steph Curry and LeBron James and Major League Baseball All-Stars Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant all trust Kalo on and off the field. Visit Kalo.com. Don't forget to use code ROTOWIRE at checkout for 20% off your order. That's Kalo.com, and that's spelled Q-A-L-O, Kalo.com. Eagles-Titans, Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey sounds like he's going to be back this week. Does he need a – if you have him, do we need a prove-it game first? You know, with Jeffrey, it kind of comes down to just how much you actually expect him to play. When he was playing last year, there were some stretches where he just looked completely compromised. There didn't get his hands in position to catch the ball, made a lot of drops, uh, had some people maybe getting off jams at times as well because of that shoulder. I would like a prove it game, but if you drafted him, like if you you were taking him in the fourth or fifth round of drafts and you didn't find good enough depth you might by desperation need to throw him back out there as your third receiver kind of sight unseen so i'd prefer not to do that yeah but i don't think it's the worst possible thing you'd have to do because they're not going to put him out there if they're jeopardizing his long-term health i mean they've taken a pretty conservative approach with bringing him back so far uh i agree with you i would rather not derrick henry the other side of this one henry and Deion lewis henry the last two weeks 18 carries a piece and for fantasy owners, who cares? Because he didn't do anything with them, right? He didn't catch a pass in either game. He ran for 56 and 57 yards and no touchdowns. So that is fantasy just wasteland. That doesn't help you. Uh, are you are you ready to roll with Derrick Henry this week? I, I Again, it's one of those, it all depends on context. Would you want to or would you want to avoid if you could? I'd rather play him than Peyton Barber. <laughs> Does that does that help? <laughs> not a, not much really, <laughs> but thank you. I mean, Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee's got a good offensive line. Marcus Mariota has had that that fluky elbow nerve problem, so they've used a lot of Blaine Gabbert so far. They have not been the improved offense I expected them to be, but that's for some reasons that seemingly are out of everyone's control. And if Mariota's healthy, that changes things quite a bit. I think it makes him less susceptible to falling behind, which is the game script he can't afford because of Deion Lewis. Derrick Henry feels like an actual buy low right now. Like I think buy low, sell high, those tags get thrown around in some kind of silly ways in our industry. But you have to look at a player when things are not going well at all if you're going to be able to get any sort of real discount. And I think his owners are frustrated enough where in plenty of leagues, Derrick Henry's a fringe flex guy. He's probably more like a, a 25 to 30 range running back for a lot of people, but back to back games, with 18 carries. We know the Jags defense is good. I think this could be a week where he takes a small step forward. You know, the Eagles against the run 
they're not pushovers. I don't, I don't think anyone no. expects them to be. 3.4 yards per carry so far this season, so it could be a little more of the same. But if he gets 18, 55, and a touchdown, you're happy. And if you think Tennessee can move the ball with Mariota in this offense, then I think that is enough to go ahead and, and put Henry in as a low-end RB2 or as a flex this week. All right. Um, by the way, Henry RB29 in the Rotowire projections and Peyton Barber RB31. So the Rotowire projections would also rather play Derrick Henry than Peyton Barber. And well, I, I think the other wrinkle here is like even if Mariota plays by design, is their game plan going to have him slinging it? No. Like they're going to have a, a very run first sort of game plan. And with that, that volume's pretty safe for Henry. All right. Can I, um, I want to back up to one thing that we did not mention off the top. We, when we talked about the Vikings, I don't think I mentioned Dalvin Cook. He's, the Vikings are optimistic that he's going to play, but we are not locked in yet. So you're going to want to watch the inactives. You, you know, probably about seven o'clock Eastern, you're going to want to watch for Dalvin Cook. Okay. Seahawks, Cardinals. Why should I believe that David Johnson's usage will improve other than, well, gee, they'd be dumb not to use him more and better? Yeah, I mean, jobs sort of depend on it. Uh, snap count actually went up 86%. Things were going in the right direction, and then they what? They used Chase Edmonds late because Johnson missed an assignment or something. And he had to go off the field and talk to a coach late in the game. But I, I, that made I, my head hurt reading that. Yeah, I mean, the, the rookie running back's definitely going to be less likely to miss that assignment than the guy that just missed it. So, All right. <laughs> what? I, I mean, I, under, I understand the philosophy that coaches in all sports have that you don't want your, your best players to get away with things that you wouldn't let other players get away with. Mm -hmm. But I don't think David Johnson or any player missing one assignment, if they're that, especially if if they could, if they're that much better than the alternative, if that in and of itself is worth risking losing a game over. Right. You know, if, if, if he whiffs a second time, Absolutely. Punish him going into the next game. But that was a critical point in the game. And it just seemed like it was going too far because of one simple mistake that any player can make on any given play. Yep. All right. So are you, do you are you, do you have David Johnson shares in a lot of places? Yeah, I've got him in the NFFC primetime. And I am so frustrated by yeah. this offense. I mean, they got up 14 nothing in the first quarter last week against the Bears and, and it went pretty quiet. Um, I, I, I just think they have to keep using him. He's, he's their, he is their best path to not being terrible. And he's been in bad situations before and made a lot of it. I think for a young quarterback with Josh Rosen taking over, you have, you have a very good weapon that you can utilize in space by dumping the ball off. I thought they would do it against the bears a lot. I, I think they should continue making that part of their game plan week in and week out. Uh, everything lines up pretty favorably here. Seattle's giving up more than five yards per carry this season. The DFS price is down on David Johnson. Uh, so again, like maybe he's a first rounder who comes at a slight discount via trade in, in leagues where you have some, some sharper players willing to change their opinion. But I, I don't think, I don't think they can afford to fail at using David Johnson correctly. Like I think that whole, whole coaching staff is gone after a year if they don't figure this out. All right, um, other things from this game. Uh, Doug Baldwin might play for the Seahawks, TBD. Also, with Josh Rosen playing, real quick, do you do you buy the whole – a popular narrative every year is, hey, this quarterback ascended to the top job, so now this receiver is coming with him and is going to do well. It was the Bryce Petty, Robbie Anderson thing a couple of years ago. 
Do you buy the Christian Kirk narrative that I've been? I feel like I've been seeing a lot this week. Uh, spoiler: I picked him up in two leagues. Yeah, I, I think it makes some sense. I, I wonder how healthy Fitz was last week. I mean, I think that was a, a part of it too. But Christian Kirk, to me, looked like the kind of prospect that would make an impact right away. Sort of like Anthony Miller, but his situation looked a little better because there's a a smaller crowd vying for those opportunities in Arizona than there is in Chicago. So I think the the speculation on Christian Kirk this week coming off of a seven-catch game last week was absolutely warranted. It's frustrating because he was one of those guys that I let go after week two for fear that his role wasn't going to develop as quickly as I'd hoped. So uh, kind of an unfortunate timing for that cut for me, but I, I do believe in that talent, and I think the opportunity is there for Kirk to be pretty valuable here week to week because this is a team that may have to throw a lot even if it doesn't want to. Yep. All right, we're going to go to Niners and Chargers. And we're going to go to our friend CJ Bethard. Um, hold on one second. I lost his guy. I had his game log open, Derek, and I lost it. Can you fill time? Can you sing or something for people? I will spare them that, but they uh, he played in seven games last year. Yep. And threw four touchdown passes. Okay. And six picks. But that's pretty awful. So starts yardage 245, 235, 167, 294, 288, 201. So hmm. it's 200. It gets 220 something. It get a little less than 250 a game. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to, yeah, I I'm, I'm trying to find reasons to give Kyle Shanahan the benefit of the doubt here. So, but Bethard, they, actually, one thing about Bethard, yeah, the rushing yards. Yeah, no, like that. That's a great point to bring up. He, he can run. He, he is. Uh, he's a guy no one likes. But prior to their acquisition of Jimmy Garoppolo, he was supposed to be their quarterback of the future. Yep. In Shanahan's offense, extra time, even working behind Garoppolo to learn more about the offense, getting a, a healthier Pierre Garcon back out there than he had you know, last year when he was trying to play. I think that's a small bump for Beathard that we should be accounting for. And then thinking about the game script, I mean, the Chargers should move the ball pretty effectively, put points on the board, and it should leave Beathard with lots of chances to air it out. If the problem came down to finishing drives and, and just making mistakes that rookie quarterbacks are, are want to make, some of that could improve. Like, I... I it, I talked about Baker Mayfield earlier as a, like a GPP dart, and, and maybe you're right. Maybe going on the road for a rookie, especially in the start, maybe that's that's something I should be a little more careful about. But C.J. Beathard's the ultimate. Nobody wants to play him. Yep. He's extremely cheap in DFS. There's probably two quarterback leagues with 10, 12 teams where he was ignored, not even picked up yet. I mean, this could be a better setup than we think. Like everybody thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be a monster this year, maybe Kyle Shanahan and the talent around him is enough to where C.J. Beathard's actually competent, and that's that's worth something. And in those six starts last year, averaged 23 yards rushing and ran, ran for three touchdowns in six starts. That's not bad. I mean, they, nope. the, the, the Josh Allen thing last week surprised everybody, but would it surprise you that much if C.J. Beathard came out and actually you know, threw for 230, 240, a touchdown, maybe ran for one. I mean, that, that wouldn't that wouldn't be out of the question. Nope, that's all it would take for him to actually help you. Would you rather start C.J. Beathard or Josh Allen? Mm, 
slight edge to Allen, and that's rooted in my familiarity with how stupid that Packers defense <laughs> can be sometimes. I, I, I maybe it's it's also steeped in some recency bias, but I don't think there's that big of a gap between those two guys. I mean, I just agreed. I, I, I've tried to become a little more willing to look at something that nobody likes and, again, maybe from more like a DFS perspective than a season-long perspective and just say, okay, why do people not like this guy and are they overlooking something? And I think there's enough here to where I think people might be overlooking something with C.J. Beathard. He's not Nathan Peterman. I mean, come on. Right. All right. Um, folks, Derek, how many guys in the Rotowire office have hair loss issues? Oh, it's a, it's a about a baker's dozen now. I think these guys are are closing in on thirty. So yeah, yeah they're starting to have those issues. <laughs> closing in on thirty, you're making me feel old, man. Really old. They make right? me feel a little old every day. <laughs> Fortunately, tell them forhims.com can help. So sixty six percent of men, as you said, have to lose their hair by age thirty five. When you start to notice the hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost, right? So if it's slowly starting to move backwards, I mean, you know, do, do you want to wait for the bald spot or do you want to do something about it first, right? 4hims.com is a one-stop shop, shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional, Derek. 4hims.com connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. There's no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. They are the genetic, generic prescription solutions backed by science. No cheap, weird stuff that you're you know, buying. Like, like Alan bought in The Hangover. Remember when he bought the roofies from the guy? At the, at the, the guy he thought was a straight shooter? Yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. Poor, poor, poor Alan. Or, or of course, Costanza buying the, the hair cream from China because of the research of one Zhang Zhao. Right. So no, no sketchiness on, on what you're buying. Answer a few quick questions. Doctors will review and prescribe you, you and your order online at It's so easy. My listeners here, get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. See the website for details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4 slash rwfootball. That's 4 slash rwfootball. Again, 4 slash rwfootball. Check it out. Saints-Giants, as the Saints defense get any better, I don't know what to do. No, let's let's just continue to assume that they're a flaming dumpster fire. or No, a raging dumpster fire. Yeah. I mean, a dumpster fire naturally is flaming. A raging dumpster fire until they show any signs of, of turning things around. Are the Giants capable of exploiting that? A 141.7 passer rating allowed, 11.2 YPA. No other team's giving up. Uh, more than 8.9 yards per attempt so far this season through the air. But the Saints are going full hold my beer with the 11.2. Ten touchdowns, one interception for that mm-hmm. Saints defense in three games. Eli is cheap in DFS. Yep. He's the kind of QB2 you don't usually feel good about. But I think you can talk yourself into playing him this week. Because if you can't play him at home against the Saints, then you cannot play him and you have to cut him. Ever. That's right. Um, and lot, Sterling Shepard seems to be the the more under. I mean, you know, Beckham's an obvious choice. Engram's out. People, I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of us in this industry like Sterling Shepard this week. Yeah, I think he's going to be in a lot of cash game lineups. Might be heavily owned in, in GPPs, but absolutely a good setup for Sterling Shepard uh, with Evan Ingram. You know, out for a little while. Rhett Ellison steps in at tight end. I think he's more of a desperation play. I would expect some of those extra targets to go 
to guys like Shepard, maybe a few extra dump-offs to Barkley out of the backfield. I don't really think Ellison takes a a one-for-one sort of uh, role exchange with Ingram being out. All right, let's go Steelers-Ravens Sunday night. Uh, we talked about Vance McDonald's stiff arm earlier. Are you ready to roll with him yet or not? I mean, we've been wait. I said, I think to Tim the other day, we've been waiting for Vance McDonald's for over a year. This is his second, you know, a year plus on the Steelers. We say, man, if they get him involved in this game plan, boy, is he going to be good. And last week he was. Are you ready? Yeah, I, I kind of think I am. I mean, I, I looked at the Jesse James game from week two and I wasn't falling for it. I don't think many people did. I hope people didn't. Uh, McDonald's a guy they traded for going into last season. I thought he'd have a little more of a role in 2017 for them. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster did a lot more than we expected as a rookie, and that kind of made McDonald an afterthought. But in a Steelers offense without Le'Veon Bell, I think that does create an opportunity for the tight end to be more productive, and I think McDonald can be that guy. We've seen him in past opportunities, going back to 2016 with San Francisco, put up pretty big efficiency numbers, even in, in, albeit in small opportunities, but 8.7 yards per target back in 2016. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. an interesting tight end. Uh, Six of his catches, only 24 catches that year, six went for 20 plus yards. And that's the kind of guy that if you're not getting a high volume tight end, you at least want the rare tight end that can stretch the field and make some big plays. And I think McDonald's ability to do that is legit. All right, um, Rotowire has him 20th in the tight end projections this week. I think that's underselling him. Um, Someone they have higher... Javoris Allen, 26th at running back. That surprises me. I was going to ask you. Pe- people are excited about him now. His owners and 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 a fantasy analysts seem to be getting more excited about him because of the short yardage role, but he's still not touching the ball a ton. Like I, I have a hard time with this one. Six carries for eight yards, six carries for seven yards. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that guy. I don't care. He scored in three consecutive games and had a two-touchdown game against the Broncos, but the usage pattern is not good. Uh, Alex Collins, who I think was a, a legit buy low after two weeks, maybe erased some of that with a good game last week against Denver. I mean, more productive on a per carry basis, 18 carries, more than he had in the first two weeks combined. We know the game script in week one was an issue, became kind of an issue in week two when Cincinnati opened up that big lead in the Thursday game. Uh, I still like Alex Collins quite a bit, and uh, I, I'm I'm not in on Allen at all. I think having him as a top 30 running back is is kind of a mistake, to be honest. All right. Um, let's go Chiefs Broncos Monday night. So start your Chiefs, start your Bronco receivers. We're through that. What do you do with the Denver backfield after last week? Philip Lindsay seemed to be had become the lead guy or or the uh, the busier part of the timeshare with Royce Freeman, and then he tried to punch somebody and got kicked out of the game. And Royce Freeman came in and played pretty well and scored a touchdown and ran for fifty some yards. Now do we do? Are we back? Do we think we're back to where we were before that incident in the second quarter last week? I wish I could say we were because I have Rice Freeman and I, I don't necessarily feel that way. I think this is still an ongoing battle for snaps. And I just I wish there were more of an indication that this was going to happen during draft season. I don't have Royce Freeman everywhere, but in the league where I got him, it was it was just like the perfect auction scenario where I thought I may have just landed an RB1 at a significantly discounted price because of auction dynamics. And it's been so disappointing to see how it's played out so far. Uh, I think the ejection last week is a big part of why the workload shifted the way it did. And this situation, it's probably one of the most frustrating in fantasy right now because if one guy emerges to get the bulk of the touches, they can be productive enough to make a huge impact. But if they're sharing, it's going to be 
one guy throwing up a dud some weeks, the other guy scoring, maybe getting a slight edge in carries, and then we just don't know based on the patterns if it's going to hold up week over week. It's it's brutal. All right, so if you have, are, are you basically you're looking to avoid uh, uh, both of these guys until there's more clarity. I would love to do that, and some people are listening are saying, well, you can't because in some cases you got injuries, you got other issues that have, have popped up, and I, I, if I had to play one of the two, if I had them both in that odd scenario, I think I'm a little more comfortable with Royce Freeman because I still think that was the that was the lead they had chosen. That was the that was the back that they wanted to lean on coming out of the preseason. I mean, they split carries evenly in Week One. Lindsay had the edge in Week Two. Freeman, because of that ejection, had it in Week Three. So it's it's really closer than I think people realize between those two guys. All right. Uh, what else you got going on? What else should people look for this week? Uh, let's see. Several uh, episodes of, of various podcasts. We got one more baseball pod coming up tomorrow. If people are interested in that. Uh, DFS episode with Scott today. We got our Friday episode with you and I tomorrow. Sirius XM duty from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. And then uh, I am uh, Green Bay bound on Sunday morning. I'm yeah. going to uh, to a game. So really hoping that the rain holds off. It's It's going to be fine temperature wise but um it would be lovely if that rain could just hold off until after game time yeah no kidding we'll have fun at that game enjoy it yeah looking looking forward to that how about you what do you got coming up the next um, couple days podcast with you late friday it's my wife's birthday on saturday nice yeah we're just gonna hang out at home dinner here and stuff like that nothing crazy but that's pretty much it all right well early happy birthday to uh, to mrs h I, I will i will pass that along yeah she doesn't listen to the pod she does. Well, not, she, she probably doesn't get to the end, and at this point, she would have turned us off, I think. You know? Yeah. I mean, with all those... Does your wife listen? No. Um, the reason she doesn't... Yeah. And, and I wonder how people's brains vary from this, but she, she does research. She's a PhD student, and she can't listen to talk of any kind while <laughs> she's working. Right. She listens to music, but if she listens to uh, NPR or a sports podcast or anything... That's just people talking. It completely derails her ability to get work done. So she doesn't have enough downtime where she wants to listen to me ramble about football or yep. baseball to listen to the pods. So, uh, yeah, I, I I can't send her messages through the pod. It just it, they would never be heard. Right. Same thing. My, my wife tries, but she's not going to listen to a whole hour. There's no way. With all due respect to everything we're talking about and to all of you who are listening to this entire hour, our wives are not doing that. It doesn't sound like. So that's all right. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Derek and I will be back on Friday afternoon talking, covering injury reports, things like that, and hopefully recapping a fun Vikings-Rams game. Um, listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed to do that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod, and leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We really like that. So uh, thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball, like I said, see you late Friday afternoon talking about a lot more weekend news. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.